Hey guys, welcome to episode 122 of the JV Club with my guest Graham Elwood. Uh, Graham and Chris Mancini have a marvelous movie-related podcast called Comedy Film Nerds. Uh, and Graham is also a uh, touring stand-up comedian, so I recommend that if you get the opportunity to see him when he is in your neighborhood uh what if you just did neighborhood shows like if you if he's in a park at a neighborhood near you um anyway so i'm delighted he was able to join me guys i gotta tell you it's almost the end of summer i don't know if you've noticed but i'm really gonna miss the boys of summer um it's been such a joy at the same time i'm also really excited to get back into podcasting the ladies because there's some some great women i've been you know sparked into thinking like i gotta get you on the podcast so uh it'll be fun to dive back into that i got a good list going um and uh and you know my gosh uh, the list of guys that uh were going to podcast that i was hoping to or who said they would or asked me if they could it is so long that i i guarantee to you i'm going to do a boys of summer series next year um there are just so many so many that didn't come together that i know you guys really would have enjoyed uh just because of my schedule or theirs or whatever so um rest assured and for those of you who have not enjoyed the boys of summer series know that you have many many months of women to look forward to before that happens so uh anyway let's just get into some shout outs really quickly i want to thank um Daryl on Twitter, I want to thank uh, Daryl. I told you I was going to make sure to shout you out. Uh, I want to thank. I also want to just quickly acknowledge, um, of course, my original JV Club uh, icon. I hand drew and then had my friend Jen Renninger um, create into my logo, and then that information uh, was taken by Rick Schlimbach, who is a wonderful, very handsome young man um, <laughs> in Europe mind you, who uh, is responsible for creating the the di- design of the t-shirt. I can't believe I didn't shout him out before. Maybe it was because I was worried about mispronouncing his last name, but he's a wonderful person. And I want to just thank him and acknowledge him for helping me get that stuff set up um, so that it looks as nice as it does on the t-shirts. I want to thank uh, Jacob for your email. Great for the see the update. Uh, I want to thank um, Randy. I want to thank Nita for managing uh, the Tumblr page, JV Club Tumblr page. If anyone's interested in that, I want to thank Tiana for your email. So great seeing you in San Francisco. Great times up in San Francisco doing the summer social event. Uh, I want to thank from the Sklar's Nardis page, Rob S. Uh, you better get out there and have some frozen cuts, custard, Rob. Uh, the shelled pea. I too will miss the boys of summer sing along. Um, I've enjoyed it so very, very much. Dan, PJ, and Sydney for your comments on the on the Nerdist page. Thanks for the the acknowledgement, Sydney, about the intro from last week. I want to thank from Facebook, Shmoo, for your delightful post. Uh, rest assured, t-shirt buyers, we are on it. And by we, I mean me and this wonderful young woman who Kate Micucci turned me on to is going to be helping me um, ship out the t-shirt. So that is uh, happening. For those of you who are interested, you can PayPal me $20 uh, if you're in the continental United States for a t-shirt that includes shipping and the t-shirts come at this point sizes available are women's scoop neck tee medium and large and men's regular tee medium large and extra large um and you can just uh either email me at, at janet at janetvarney.com or you can facebook message me on the jv club page Whew, a lot of information guys a lot of information I want to remind everyone that i will be at the la podcast festival that's lapodfest.com i'll be there saturday the 27th previously i was doing a four o'clock show but actually that um interfered with a possible appearance on someone else's podcast so i have flipped down to noon noon on saturday the 27th lapodfest.com 
I want to remind everyone that You're the Worst continues to air on f- uh, f- FX, sorry, uh, on Thursdays at 1030. And um, it's some really fun stuff that I myself get to do in upcoming episodes. So I'm so, so jazzed for the, the episodes to come. I encourage you to watch that. And then, of course, the um, Legend of Course Season 3 is available digitally. So that's it, guys. I have uh, taken up enough of your time. If you are fans of Comedy Film Nerds and you're coming here for the first time because you wanted to listen to Graham, thanks for sitting through that intro and uh, get ready because here it comes. Now entering Nerdist.com. that I've started recording and that is the sum total of the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> zero. Zero. No zero fan for working up. Zero. <laughs> nothing like I'm not going to go out. This is there's no version. There's no podcast version of me going out to a crowd and being like, keep it going for your servers, everybody. They work so hard. Let's get the energy up. Let's keep it up. You know, yeah, you know what helps people get their energy up is clapping for their servers. Yeah, it does. People get very excited about that. Do you that. do that? Do you feel like you have to do that when you do? No. You don't? It's not my job. Keep it going for the, the... Let the MC. Keep it going for... I Sometimes I don't want to keep it going as an audience member. I like the break of not having to clap. Right. Right. I will... I'll give a... Uh, you know, it's just a professional courtesy, like, clap it up for the other acts you've seen. Right. That's just like a... Yeah. That's more of like a tipping of the hat to the other acts yeah. rather than a. The but even sometimes that's a tipping of a hat, but it's almost feels like as t- this is me as a producer and an audience member. I do feel like there is a lot of I'm sure someone's done a bit on this, right? But like there's a lot of unnecessary applause. Right. And when, fa- when you keep going, come on, you guys, then as I've been in an audience, like, where was I? Is that a blues club in Chicago? where I'm from originally, and I love Chicago blues, but they were definitely like, keep it going for, you know, Muddy Johnson yeah. or whatever. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm here. I like it. I don't yeah. have to fucking, just because I'm not clapping. Yeah. And then, this is an interesting thing to go to that. Um, when I was married to a woman from Brazil, she and her Brazilian friends go, wow, you Americans like to clap. Oh, see? Yeah, see, it's an American. We're not even sure we do. Yeah, we, we're just, we think we're supposed to, so we keep doing it. It's a weird cultural it, thing. It, it is. It just keeps going on and Everybody on. Everybody claps. And when she said that, I was like, oh, right. The, everyone doesn't clap for everything in other cultures. Yeah. That's. Well, that's, yeah. Like, we clap at the end of every song in this country. Yeah. And give it up for any, you just, how give about a, a. You give it up a lot. Uh, yeah, you kind of. <laughs> Totally you really up. do a lot of giving up. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Well, this is interesting because I am always fascinated by people when they do have relationships with people from other mm-hmm. cultures and other countries and so forth. Um, was there more stuff like that for you with her, where there's a sort of there was so, it was so fascinating to see America through her eyes when she first moved here. She said. Um, she, how did she put it? She goes, and this might be a big city LA thing. Obviously it's different, but she's sure. like, people are, are polite here, but not kind. Ooh, and I was like, burn, I, I, <laughs> it is burned because that whole yeah. like, Oh, thank you. Like everyone's says, please. And thank you. But do they mean it? 
Do they genuinely mean it? Yeah. Um, God, that's so great. And then she Chilling. Sa- she said, she goes, what's with the dog thing? <laughs> no offense, Janet. No, it's okay. No, before I started recording, we were just joking about how I was like, when did I become a dog person? Like, I guess I know, but I didn't see it coming somehow. Uh, yeah. And well, she said that. It was funny. When she first moved here, she says, you guys, you know, we have dogs in Brazil, but Christ, you know, like they don't have doggy daycare and shit like that. Right. After living s- several years in America, and I think partially when I was traveling a lot, she was like, can we get it? Let's get a dog. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So now you're just buying into yeah. the hole. Yeah. And then the other thing, and this thing really, really bummed me out. There was a you know, she had been here several months and of course there was several, like there was a school shooting and a shooting at a mall or something. And she just said, is it fashionable to do this in America? And the way she, when she put it that way, I was just like, yeah, I I get, I guess like what a, it certainly keeps happening. Yeah. And that she'd used the term fashionable Fashionable. and I was just like, Oh yeah. And it kind of feels that way. Like that, that bummed me out. But then you would see, all these really cool things of, you know, I remember, you know, I was like, I was having some money trouble and was like, Oh, well, what am I going to do? And she just, and I was like stressing about it. And she just said, let me tell you something, you know, if you were going through this in Brazil, it, you'd be done. Mm. You're out in the street. There's mm. no, there's no, there's no safety net, you know? And I was like, whatever I got through it and it was fine. Right. She goes, you don't, there's, do you understand like how how lucky you are to be here? And I remember when um, I first started seeing, we met in Brazil and then I, w- I went down there periodically before she moved up here and she took me into a favela, which is like their shanty towns up in the hills. And I mean, five people living in a room the size of the room we're in here, um, one bed, the bathroom was a toilet, and a hose from stolen water and stolen electricity. So just the most unsafe exposed electricity everywhere. And she was like, I wanted you to see this, you know, cause I'd come visit and like, we're getting an, I'm going to get a hotel and all this. And she's like, okay, gringo, like you need mm-hmm. to really see. And it was like, and I had, um, I mean, also from traveling to like doing shows in Iraq and Afghanistan for when you see that, if any American goes to a third world country, you kind of come back here and go, wow. Like if you were born in America, for the most part, you won the lottery. Right. You know what I mean? And when she was constantly showing me and reminding me of that stuff that I was like, wow. Yeah. This was it was fascinating to to see that. And then her, the also like, it was hard sometimes because she was like, you know, she was struggling with stuff and I was like, just do it, you know, which is very American. And also like my personality type is very much just like, just fucking do it. I don't give a shit. Go like, and also I need to let you know that, um, Nike has put a season desist on saying, just do it (laughs) unless you give it credit. So, but, um, lawsuit, but yeah, that was stuff like that was really, was really, was really fascinating. Um, and then even just like this last world cup that was in Brazil and I, and I follow it. And 
so many people from other countries that are, you know, big soccer fans would say, you know, I was like, frustrated America, we didn't win at all. And they're like, that's an American thing. Like, if you don't win at all, you guys think you failed. Yeah. And, you know, there's like, there's 150 go countries. Go big or go home, yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. Second yeah, second place, boom, yeah. eat it, you know? Yeah. And so they were like, do you want, and, and all these other people were like, well, America might not have the technical skills in soccer, but you have this never give up thing. Like no one wants to play us because if we're down three, nothing, we still, and I was like, Oh, and you, you, you it's just amazing. You just how don't see it through that lens. You don't, you don't see it through that lens. But don't you also feel, I mean, this is coming from <clears throat> of the voice of somebody who does not go out and actively do as much as I have done and should do, um, in our own communities. But but also it is really bad for some people in the United States. For sure. Do you know what I mean? Like that's right. that I just started sponsoring and I'm sure I'll get like someone will have some sort of dirt and flack that I'll get about this. Cause I haven't talked about this yet, but a few months ago I started sponsoring a child for this program called children international. And, um, when I was approached about it, uh, and given the, the spiel, which I mean that respectfully because obviously they're doing great things and they do, they are very high rated in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. the critiques that, that happen of, of nonprofits. But, um, they do do work in partnership with people all over the world. And I, when I was approached about it, I was like, do you, do sponsorships for Americans. And I'm the last person to be like, right. made in America. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like that kind of patriotism at all, but I do feel, I sometimes, depending on the mood I'm in or what's been going on in my life, it does kind of get under my skin when, you know, a, like a white yuppie goes and works in Africa sure, and, and talks about the poverty, but like wants nothing to do with the ghettos of Los Angeles kind of thing. Just walking downtown LA and there's exactly. skid row. Exactly. So yeah. So I was like, is, do you have programs in the United States? And he was like, oh my God, you're one of the very few people who even bothers to ask that question. Yes, we do. I can, you know, connect you with a family that is, in this case, the rural South. And so mm-hmm. I, the kid I sponsor is here and she's That's awesome. you know, in the Atlanta area. And she's, I'm just like, her stuff goes towards school, school supplies and, to, and like tutors and stuff like that. But I just thought, again, not because I'm like America, but just because I thought I, we can't, I don't want to be that person that looks mm-hmm. at the exotic, you know, locale yeah. of India. Not to say that, that those people aren't equally deserving and that, you know, but it's tricky too. It's like, what, where, what where I, you take your responsibility? That's a great point. I think because, you know, not to minimize anything that anyone is going through here in America, there's a lot of people having a lot of serious struggles and, you know, but, and then you, I hate to even say, but I just, I'll say, and, you know, I heard the statistic, um, well, well, just this, how, how do they measure it? In, in America, uh, you make 12 grand a year or 13, whatever. Below that is the poverty line, we call it. In India, if you don't have food, water, or shelter, that's the poverty line. And 300 million people in India, I the know. population of the U.S. live that know. way. So like... Yeah, I know. There's you know no I mean? right answer. There's, There's no, no sort of like, well, you... But <laughs> I say... It's, it's, just, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, it's and horrible. Somebody, you know, I just driving through Hollywood to get here, I drove by a bunch of homeless people. And as that homeless guy that I, you know, looked at on Vermont, is he less deserving than somebody in in Bombay or whatever? It's so tricky. It really is so... It's just a tricky, weird quandary. I think, though, that your line of thinking 
I, I think is the is on the right track in the sense that what if we got everything in America straightened out? Yeah. And then we were able to be this sort of benevolent country uh, and, and its citizens went out and did the best they could as opposed to we're like a bunch of spoiled rich kids with guns. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but then you want to be like, but, the, but, this, but if a, a child's life could be saved in India right now and someone's willing to do that, but they're not willing to save a child's life in America, at least that child's life is being sure. saved. Some, it's so hard. It's I th- so hard. I think the key, at least for me, and I read this, I, I'm a surfer, right? I live at the beach. Um, and litter is a thing that just drives me crazy, right? And I see people just throw shit everywhere. I saw a woman once walk out of her way, 30, 40 feet out of her way to a trash can, stopped three feet in front of it, threw, missed, turned around and walked away. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're 90%, but that 10, you didn't, you're still dumb. Like, yeah. and that, <laughs> yeah. so anyway. Close enough. I guess, like, this is like, you, you went on that much out of and your way. And then he watches the breeze, picks it up, yeah, and just, blows just, it just, past just, you just, back to where like, you further than you were walking. Into a dolphin's mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just chokes to death <laughs> so oh, God. i and i so you know i can come to the beach and see all the litter and think i either got to pick up all of it or forget it right and then there was the in the one of my the surfing magazine i was reading they they were talking about they had like the 10 uh, best ideas to help with the environment and save the oceans and this like 13 year old kid and somewhere in the South Bay, like Huntington Beach or something like that, came up with this thing called Pick Three. Every time he goes to the beach, he picks up three pieces of trash. That's what my dad does. Yes. With cycling, because it's the same thing. You see all this stuff by the side of the road, and you get real overwhelmed mm-hmm. and think, like, I can't. And you start, yeah. and the way they did it, he was like, you know, I go to the beach probably three, four days a week. That's nine pieces of trash a week. Let's say there's 40 weeks that I, you know what I mean? You yeah. start doing that and you go, well, wait a minute. Now I am making a positive contribution yeah. and I am helping out. And that's three pieces of trash that aren't getting eaten by marine life and they, their bellies fill up and they die. Yeah. So then I, I apply that to everything. Okay, well, I can't save every starving kid on the planet. You know, I can help one. And whether that kid's in Atlanta or Sri Lanka yeah. is of no, is doesn't matter. You're helping one person, and th- I think that's that's the best way to do it. Yeah, how, was that a, how were you raised? Like in terms of your your parents and that kind of influence that they have? Did they have? Were they liberal? Yeah, yeah. They were, <laughs> very hippie parents. My father was a a theater professor, um, and my mom was. Uh, this is in the Chicago area. Well, actually, I was raised in in Madison, Wisconsin, and oh, okay. then moved to Chicago when I was twelve. My parents got divorced. And, um, and, uh, which is why I'm a comedian. Uh-huh. <laughs> Done. Got it. Podcast over. <laughs> well, I'm a comedian who's divorced. Uh-huh. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I was raised with that. Um, my mom then started working as a fundraiser for non-for-profits arts organizations. Madison is very, you know, they, they call it the Berkeley of the Midwest. Yeah. I've know. heard such great things. I've it's, never been, but I'd love to go. It's a very cool city. It's got a lot of that liberal stuff but still like midwest um and so i was i was very much raised with that that social consciousness stuff um and uh and just and i think i you know took to it part of the way and then you know when i was younger i was probably pretty selfish you know I, as we are as we are you know in my whatever teens and early 20s 
and then um, decided to start doing more. I think, you know what I mean? That, that yeah. like, I remember I moved here and like there was like an AIDS walk or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. And the first one I did, you know, whatever, I raised a couple hundred dollars and walked five, five kilometers. And I was like, and saw the scope of it, of all these people trying to do something together and what seems like a very small gesture. And, you know, did that walk cure it? No, but it's, I was like, okay, I'm doing, I'm, I got to You're start. doing something. Yeah. Right? That's huge. I think that's so huge. And um, 9-11 then pushed me into that direction more. Yeah. More so. Is that when you started getting involved with going out of the country and doing Iraq and mm-hmm. Afghanistan? I did. I, yeah. The, the, the day, well, actually on 9-11, I went to my local Red Cross and because they had lines out the door and all this stuff. And I was just like, I just want to help. And I just spent like the, that whole week that was on a Tuesday all the way through like Sunday. And I just started showing up. I was living at the Valley at the time and I just kept going every day. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm not leaving. And then also then, well, when 9-11 happened, I was like, what am I doing in show business? Like I had just hosted, I had been doing game shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was like, what? Like I had hosted the show Strip Poker and I was like, this is I know. why I'm glad I studied Meisner. I like, know. Just, I know. Just like, that stuff can hit you with a smack across oh. the face so hard at certain moments. Like, what am I doing? Literally. And then it's gross because like, then great people in your life want you to feel better. So they say stuff like, but Graham, you're making people laugh. And listen, <laughs> sure, sure, there's a value. You are yeah, sure there's yeah. value, but it's hard because then that's not a good enough argument yeah. to make you feel better in the moment. Like in that moment, if you've made the decision that you're going to feel bad about being an entertainer, those things, there's not really anything that can be said that can take you out of that. So then you end up having to argue more about why they're wrong. Like, no, but seriously, this is why I'm a horrible human no, being. No, it's awful. It's awful. I've <laughs> yeah. sold my soul to the... I now feel worse. You understand yeah. I feel worse. And I didn't even do it for a million dollars. I did it for yeah. cable TV yeah, money. exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> after taxes, it's not that much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, And I remember thinking, like, I might quit show business. I was like, a lot of people, I was like, I got to do more. I might join the fire department, whatever. And my mom said, you know, well, honey, think of Bob Hope, which she now later regrets. Every time I tell her I'm going into a war zone, she's like, honey, don't go. I go, mom, you said. Yeah. So then that, I started doing Red Cross stuff and that was very much like life changing because the the thing about the Red Cross, I'll I'll give a little pitch right here. Is, Great, is no, they're, bring they're, it. They're the main thing that they deal with is single family fires. Most people don't realize that. You know, they obviously when the big disasters, the Red Cross is there, and that's what most people equate it to. But every day there's a single family fire somewhere in America, especially here in LA. Somebody, usually a family, doesn't have a lot of money. House burns to the ground. No insurance money in the mattress kind of thing. And they got nothing, nowhere to go. And that's where the Red Cross comes in. And so I started doing that and going to people's houses that were like burned to the ground and you're showing up and you're giving them just like jokes. Yeah. Strip poker on autograph. Lawn. I'm what used to be the front lawn. Oh God, I couldn't resist. I really apologize. <laughs> well, I'm really burning down this show, aren't I? Come on. Who's with me, guys? <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. Oh God. So Okay, so you go and you donate whatever you can. Well, well, it was actually I was a tr- became a trained disaster volunteer. Okay. So you'd show up and and help 
get people people's lives back together. You get them set up in a in a hotel, and you open up a case file, and there's there's a, there's a lot of paperwork that's involved, and then you give them shit like toothbrushes and like that that's gone, and that was like you know you walk through somebody's house, burn, and you oh. see family photos charred, and you're just like. <laughs> The first time I did that, we we drove, and then and then a lot of times too, when the like the big brush fires and stuff, you drive and feed the firefighters like snacks and shit, which was just like amazing. You're like on the other side of the fire line, and they're just like, "Oh, thanks, man." I did, I would do stuff like that with you sometime if you ever. I mean, I know I'm not mm-hmm. trained in certain ways, but uh, I don't know. Sure, it feels like it would be. It's, like, uh, you know, I do so. I do more with like kids and stuff, and I kind of don't do as much with like. That's great. Ups doing great stuff. It's it's it, it was the, it was the coolest thing, and I saw and, and just so many um, just life changing moments, you know, and of of seeing what people are going through, and then you you know you literally would like this sounds like part of their cheesy promotional, but it's true. Like you'd hand a kid of of teddy bear because you have them in these. And they're like, that's that's what they got, or you give them uh, like clothes or whatever, and you're just, yeah. you just, and again, it's what we were talking about at the beginning. It's here in L.A., people living, you know, five people to a one bedroom house. It's right here in our backyard, and their house burns to the ground. Like if if my house or your house burned to the ground, it would suck. But you know, we have insurance and we places to stay. And that was going to be my next question. Actually, did that impact your disaster preparedness and yeah. your sort of understanding of the fleetingness of things in your own life? Well, yeah, stuff? I started taking disaster preparedness class from the Red Cross and then the L.A. Fire Department. Like I got, I got a little, well, a little nuts on it. Understandable. So, so, like, Understandable. Like, uh, God, I know who I'm calling for emergency. <laughs> I got to get a walkie-talkie system that just goes directly to your Graham Elwood. Because if the I'll, phone lines are down, I got to use my walkie. Be prepared, especially we're in an earthquake zone, Janet. Um, and you're, you know, you're an area where stuff can happen. So you should have uh, food and water and any medical supplies. Um, for three to five days, you should have that in your home and in your car. Mm-hmm. I have some, some of that. Okay, I have a giant, so unhelpful, rain barrel. <laughs> it never rains here, but it has a whole filtration thing, the tablets and everything. That's great. And then I have bottled water. I do have some first aid kits. I do have like lights and batteries and stuff like that. Um, but I don't. I have all of that, but I don't feel prepare do you know what i mean mm-hmm. as mu- there's a difference i feel like you can sort of have the, i mean it's great that's better than not having it better at all than nothing but i i don't feel a sense of like i can handle this <laughs> i still feel like oh, i don't know was someone gonna tell me what to do with all this <laughs> well there's glass you can take you'd also go to americanredcross.org and they have a list of all the things you can do and some people because i used to teach these preparedness classes so here's what i tell you um you're going to look at that. A lot of people look at that list and go, oh, I don't have it. I'm going to die. Right. And just, I think, just start slowly checking it off. You know, like, do you have the time and the money to just drop 500 bucks? Oh, maybe not. But even if you just start kind of getting an old backpack mm-hmm. and throwing some stuff in there mm-hmm. and putting that in the back of your car, you're going to just feel like more of that sense of preparedness that you're yearning mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I would do that. Okay. 
I would do that. Okay, good Start plan. there. And good you call plan. me with any questions. I will call you with any questions. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um, hotline. Grandma would hotline. <laughs> I don't know where we got on this. Uh, no, it's thing. good. It's good. It's good. This, this is a very useful podcast in many ways. Um, okay, so let me take, let me, let me, go, let me jump back a little bit to, um, was your dad, did your, what, what took you from Madison? I know your parents split mm-hmm. up. You're hilarious. You're a hilarious comedian. <laughs> your parents divorced. Uh, but did you, who moved to Chicago? My mother and my brother and I moved from Madison to Chicago. And how old is your brother in relation to He's you? He's three years older than oh, me. Okay. So I was, my parents got divorced when I was nine. We moved when I was about 11. Um, to Evanston, which is a oh, suburb of Chicago. Yeah, that's where my dad's from. Oh, right on. Yeah. I love Evanston. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've podcasts, as you know, because Jimmy's done it and Gil Martin's mm-hmm. done it. And someone, there's been a, quite a few Chicagoans, um, a lot of funny people in Chicago. Uh, but no, but everyone's been from the South Side, finally. Someone north, side, north Side, Cubbies, bitch. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, we moved to Evanston, which was a really completely different experience because... Madison is um, white. It's an all-white liberal town, which is nice. But then Evanston is 40% minority. It was a place where freed slaves um, after the Civil War, uh, when they came north for the industrial jobs, Evanston was one of the few places they could own property. It's so interesting because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to from the south side who are like, Evanston's extremely white. And I even think if you... I even think, and listeners of the podcast tell me if I'm wrong... You don't need to tell me if I'm wrong, but you may be correcting me in your brain. I feel like <laughs> even as recently as Jimmy or someone, when I said, um, I think that like, I feel like my dad still had, you know, relationships to minorities or people who were not Caucasian up to and including, but in this case, a black family moved into, I don't, I know I told the story guys, so I'll stop, but moved into his neighborhood. And for sure, most of the people in the neighborhood were like, I don't care for this. Mm-hmm. And that his family was like, welcome in. Um, but yeah, I was like, I'm, I don't feel like it was as white as everyone keeps telling me that well, it was. Because the North Shore, the nor- those are all Northern suburbs. They call the North Shore. It's on the North Shore of Lake Michigan. So Evanston, Wilmette, Winnetka, Wilmette, Winnetka, Glencoe, those are very white, okay. very wealthy. That is where John Hughes did all of his movies. <laughs> right, right. And Evanston is a part of that, so I think it gets lumped in. Got it. The rest of Chicago just thinks, oh, North Shore, you're all rich white kids. And it's like, no, man, we lived in an apartment. I took the city bus to school. and yeah. Um, so yeah, my high school was one of the most unique experiences ever. And I, you know, because it had 3,600 kids. It had every type of ethnicity. And it had kids living in million-dollar homes mm-hmm. on the lake, and then it had everything in like public assistance on up the, on up the line, and uh, it was such a unique experience, you know, getting turned on to rap music. This is before white kids, before it became mainstream, right? And that was really cool. And I played football there, and that was such such a such a unique and cool. It was really difficult at first. Because I had like hippie parents. It must have parents. been so intimidating kind of oh, coming man. in from Madison, which is like a smaller oh. community of, yeah. And then like hippie parents like, don't fight. I'm like, they're kicking my ass. Oh, no. I'm just supposed to sit there and take a beating. It's yeah. why I gravitated to football because it was like, oh, I can knock this dude on his ass and it's okay. You know, my, yeah. my, we couldn't have toy guns as kids because of the Vietnam War and everything. Uh-huh. It, was, it was very much like that. So it was it was a... And then it was, you know, my dad was still living in Madison and we were in Evanston and that was, uh, how far away are those? It's about two a two places? and a half hour drive. Oh, 
okay. So it's not, but it's like just far enough that you don't see him yeah, that much. Is it was, that- a, it was, it was a weird, it was tough. It was, I'm not going to say it, it, it was hard. Like I kind of didn't have a dad really. Yeah. You know, um, which in the teenage years, it's not important. Uh, uh, no, it's funny you would say that because I feel like, uh, like maybe it's yeah. a- your mom never remarried or she, did. uh, yeah, she did. Um, and then that ended a while later. So that was kind of a little chaotic, but it was, it was an interesting time. And I, I, um, talked about it in the, in the comedy film nerds book, uh, because it was a lot of crime going on in Chicago at that time, like mob style crime. If you watch the movie, and this, let me film nerd out here a little bit. If you watch Please. the movie thief, um, with James Kahn, that to me is the best summary of how Chicago was at that time. God, I don't even know if I've seen it. Oh man, it's I amazing. Write it down. And it I have your book. It is amazing. Um, and um, just about the corruption and, and all that stuff. And um, like my sister dated a, dated a mob guy's son. Really? And, oh, wow. Yeah, when we went to this pizza place and, um, you know, never had to pay a bill. God, for being someone from Arizona... I'm trying to think if there is, and now California, <clears throat> and I know that exists. I know we've There's talked about this. There's plenty of it in San Francisco. You went, you're from Tucson. Yeah. Yeah, I went to U of A. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know if we, you know, yeah, we, we talked did. about that we forever did. ago. Yeah, when yeah. We, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's like, that might be the most, it doesn't matter how many times you tell yourself that the mob is real. It's so fictionalized and so you know, pervasive in fiction and to not ever see it up close at all as a youth. That is, that is one of the most real fake things slash fake real things <laughs> I can think of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to the point where I really feel like, and I'm sure a lot of people have this who didn't grow up in, in communities mm-hmm. where they were exposed to it, where you're like, the mob's not real. You guys. Oh, it's very real. Oh, very real. Yeah. Um, I equate it with, surfing growing up in the midwest i didn't start surfing till eight years ago and i remember going to school at the university of arizona in tucson and i was on the lacrosse team and we played uc santa barbara it's my like one of my first times ever in california and talking to some guys on the the santa barbara lacrosse team and they're like oh yeah you know steve's also on the surf team and i was like what <laughs> like you might as well just said oh he's on the time travel team right. like he's yeah, like right. that doesn't. That's not a real Surf thing. Team, sure. adorable. You guys, that's yeah. not real. Um, Side note: lacrosse team, yeah. adorable. <laughs> Do we have a good lacrosse team? U of A. Uh, I say a, we. I didn't go there, but I feel. But I of course yeah, sure. feel like loyalty. It was a club it. team. Okay. You know, like all the best. The, the East Coast schools have like legitimate scholarship athletes. It was just you know. Gotcha. I I, I played my freshman year. It was a blast. Yeah. Um, but no, that's so. That's how I view it. So then I remember. Chicago, when uh, they were trying to put a casino in downtown Chicago, and um, you know, one of the aldermen was like, "If we do that, there's no sports betting because it'd be bad for kids." Well, no, that was the first ward aldermen were all these bookies, oh <laughs> so he was God. like, "They're yeah. going to cut out my business." Yeah. And I remember seeing someone on the train from the suburbs who had a casino with a with a line through it, like casino, oh, right. And I asked Catchy. her, I said, I said, why do you, why do you, why are you against casinos? She's like, oh, it'll bring the mob into Chicago. And I fell out of my chair laughing because I saw so much of it. 
And I think probably just being sort of, you know, single parent kid, kind of latchkey kid, just on my own, just set cut loose in Chicago and started to see like, I got involved in maybe some stuff I shouldn't have and was, you know, would see it and knowing like, uh, the cops, um, there and how they ran stuff and seeing how it worked and talking to people that ran, like I, I was a, I was a, a waiter at a pizza place right out of college in Chicago. And you know, the, the towing guys would show up and say, there's a lot of illegally parked cars out front. And then the manager go, hold on a sec, come back with two pizzas health department would show up he'd get an envelope and a pizza oh wow like you just saw that yeah and i remember a, 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 i was living with my girlfriend at a time and she got an argument with the guy at work and he hit her and i went down there and you know i got into a fight with him and and then i was talking to my uh cop friend of mine i was like man i was you know i was young i was very hot <laughs> and, uh-huh, I, was, and sure. I, was, I was like i hit my girlfriend i'm gonna fucking i said like i want to kill this guy and he goes well i got a number you can call oh my god he goes, it's so like, crazy. and he said, gave me like a number, like it's only 20 grand. And I was just like, this is a thing. Wow. Yeah. This is for real. They Pandora's didn't, box. they didn't have this in Madison. Right. Like, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. In Madison, they'd be like, we can pay someone to write a mean play. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interpretive dance <laughs> yeah. saying violence doesn't That'll solve anything. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <A> mean play. <laughs> Wearing uh, hemp clothing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, God, that, but so let's go, when you say that you, so when you first got there, were, did you feel bullied? And I mean, yeah, I know you said that you turned to, sure. to football. What after you kind of gained acceptance? Because because you also did get involved in like theatery kind of stuff, yeah. Or did you do that no, in high school? I didn't. It was funny. I, you know, so how kids react. Like because my dad and mom were theater people, and they, you know. Did tarot card readings. They I was did. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah, dad uh, still does. I love that you say that like a theater person yeah. automatically yeah. is going to be into fortune telling. <laughs> of course, of course. Not necessarily. <laughs> Not necessarily. That's my, my interpretation of it. Um, oh, yeah. They did meditation and that, you know, we had all kinds of weirdo hippie parties at my house growing up. What kind of spirituality does that bring in in terms of like religion and or because that's not if there's like mysticism, then that's... That's different than having, you know, secular parents who are like, by the way, there's no God. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it is. What are they? Well, it was funny because my mom was like Irish Catholic. So we still, she made an attempt to like raise us Catholic and we went to a Catholic church, but it was a hippie Catholic church in Madison where they had Beautiful. like guitar dancing and, oh. you know, it was all that. And, but still a Catholic church. Yeah. And when she got divorced, they excommunicated her. It was oh, like, oh shit. Oh, so we're not, right. we're not that hippie. Then we're, right. <laughs> so yeah. we're, and I remember, you know, when that happened, my mom was just like, no more church. Right. Done. So I was sort of raised with like, uh, you know, karma and reincarnation and all that stuff. So always like a spirituality, um, but not, God. Yeah. You know, and the Catholic Church. I mean, it's not for you. It's, no, no. It's not it's for you. But what about tarot readings? <laughs> Those things. You know, did I, you, did you, 
like that's a specific thing to eat. It's different to observe that or to know that your mom's into it. But like, did you ever end up getting a reading and stuff? Oh, my dad. High school. My my dad still. When I see him, sometimes he'll, he'll do be, a reading. He'll like, yeah, I brought cards. We I can do a reading. It. Um, but I love anything like that. That that's why. And the, I mean, I had Heidi Rose Robbins, who's a, an astrologer, on the podcast because um, while I mean no. I really mean no disrespect to her. I don't espouse it as a full life's calling or anything like that the way she does. But I love watching her approach to, for her, it's just like a window into, or for me at least through, you know, in terms of what I experienced through her. And I don't get readings from her ever. I've literally had like maybe one. Um, But it's her way of helping people interpret their own strengths and weaknesses. Sure. Just in a way, you know, and how to kind of engage with the world, like anything like that. Um, and so that, I, that is, I do appreciate that about true. Like, I feel like it, that's another kind of like the same as dream interpretation. You sort of, you might find out what's in store for you based alone on just like, how do you interpret this and what comes to your mind when you get this reading and did it kind of call anything up for you that you need to work on? Or did it, it did it cause you to acknowledge a fear you didn't know that you had until that? Uh, do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I that, try to like be an open mind uh, to... I think that makes sense. I think um I think lately I've been questioning more of that than than before because I just sort of am cuz who knows? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if we all sit and think about this, we're on a goddamn rock that's floating in space and how big is the galaxy? The known galaxy is whatever this big and then what the fuck's outside of it? And you start asking those questions, what happens when you die and time is infinite? It's like, really, this reincarnation or heaven or Allah or what? Okay, man, maybe, maybe. Sure. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and so, maybe, maybe not. And maybe, I mean, also just you absolutely can't even conceive of it at all because it's because there's no, there's no this, there's no that. Yeah. Or maybe there is a that that we are so far from understanding that sure. putting a name on it is like adorable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know? Because we use what? 13% of our brain's capacity yeah. and we're really going to be able to understand. Unless we're in that movie that I haven't seen that everyone's terrible. Yeah. yeah, I just saw it last night. You have to see everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have to see a lot of movies. I'm yeah. going to probably go to another one after this. There you go. Um, so the the spirituality thing, yeah, I, I dig it. You know, I, I in terms of like, I I have a connection to like a higher power, whatever you want to call it. But but growing up with all that stuff, I question it more now. Did you? Did you? But did you roll your eyes at it then? Would no. you be like, oh, my friend's coming home. Please don't say anything about Tarot <laughs> readings. Do you know? No, I think it was kind of, you know, it was kind of a chaotic upbringing. So my family was, I have an older brother and two older sisters. Oh, you have two older sisters? Mm-hmm. But they didn't go. They didn't come back to... No, they were already in college. Got it, got yeah, it. Yeah, they it. were already at the UW-Madison. Gotcha. Um, so uh, it was really just my brother and I and my mom, and we were just kind of on our own. I mean, mom was working full-time, single parent. We were just like, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just kind mm-hmm. of to figure out a lot of stuff ourselves. Were you guys tight? Like, did you... Were no. you there for each other? He was three years is kind of a long time, he, especially in high school. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, he sort of resented. I, I don't know. Sure, a lot of stuff was There's put little, on him. Yeah, 
and he resented me for it. Like, which is like, why not you blame? It's like blaming me for having dark eyes. But so it was really sort of uh, very adversarial in terms of my, I, I never felt like anyone really had my back. Like I had to kind of go figure it all out for myself. And so that's why I, to get back to your initial question of, I was not in the theater department and stuff like that because I was sort of like, yeah. And it was sports where I felt home. Mm-hmm. And theater departments just felt like my actual house. Mm-hmm. That, that makes a lot of sense. That I didn't feel safe in. Yeah. <laughs> With about a, a bunch yeah. of hippie bullshit and infighting and whatever. Makes and, sense. Makes sense. And so sports was like very clear cut. Mm-hmm. You screw up. Systems. Systems yep. and like a lot of sort of like on the surface, easy to understand. It's almost like the math versus... Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, because and, and also too, like because growing up with that sort of hippie, there's all this vague bullshit. <laughs> oh no, you know. And I was just like, the coach was pretty clear. Sure, practice is at three thirty. If you show up three thirty one, guess who's running wind sprints? Telly sure. Pukes. You. I can so I can so understand. Yeah. It really makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? To seek mm-hmm. that structure. Yep. And it's funny because before we started recording, of course, we were talking about kind of choosing <clears throat> these lives that don't have a lot of structure, and there's so much ephemera to. Like whether you get a job, whether you don't, whether this works out, whether that, and to and that we still, you and I both kind of seek after some sort of rigor in mm-hmm. like structure to kind of t- t- tack it down to the ground again. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people really can just sort of live in that space and like, oh, I don't, oh God, I forgot to pay my. I mean, I have the money. I'm on a show, but I just forgot to send the check in for the mortgage. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I. You know, it's just it's a it's it's a weird dance because some people are very very grounded and have jobs that are very grounded, mm-hmm. and some people are sort of you know in the atmosphere and have jobs that reflect that. And then there's people that fall somewhere in between. I think where you're sort of like, God, I really clearly I'm drawn to sort of be in this weird cr- cloudy misty place, yeah. but like I also really want my feet on the ground. And it, it is weird. It is a, it is a weird thing that I have completely chosen a life. You know, we have chosen lives that are not normal or regular whatever you want to call it and i i love that and i could i've been a comic since i was 18 i couldn't function in the regular world i just couldn't i wouldn't know what to do um and yet i wish you know there's areas of my life i wish i had more structure i think it's why i decided to get married even though i look back now and see that there was a lot of things why it wouldn't have worked to begin with but i was so just like i want that structure mm-hmm. of no matter what's going on there's that i have sure. this home and this this marriage and, and totally makes sense and because because i felt like my whole life i've i i can fit in everywhere and nowhere you know like i can adapt to anything but not for too long right yeah isn't that a weird you're speaking my language yeah yeah like the the sports thing I love sports and I love watching the UFC. I study martial arts, but I can't spend too much time with those fucking meatheads, you know, <laughs> and I love yoga and all that stuff, but those fucking ding dong. <laughs> people are like, oh, no. I can only do so oh, much no. of the chakra talk and right, the, right. You know, it's like, I don't know. You're, you want to, I think that you are one of the many people. And I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are like that is we want to sort of be at the, the buffet of life mm-hmm. where you're sort of taking that, Maybe you don't need that whole, you don't want a whole plate of mashed potatoes, but maybe just right. a couple bites of potatoes. And you know what? Maybe that doesn't go great with chocolate pudding. Fuck it. That's it's a buffet. <laughs> no one's going to tell me that I can't do a tarot reading over here. And then, by the way, go over here yeah. and talk about like stocks and bonds. By the way, I'm not that person. But, 
You know what I mean? Like there's that there is a sort of defiance of like. Right. Well, the buffet analogy is hilarious because that is how I eat at buffets. (laughs) Me too. I literally am like. Me too. Knox blocks and coleslaw. Like (laughs) florets. And then like so much sushi. What? And then like a little bit of fried rice yeah. plus a one rib. This is the one time of the year I'm going to eat tapioca pudding. It's there you be go. At the buffet. It's starting to look pretty good now that I'm at this buffet. I totally get it. Totally. I'm completely that way. That's the idea of a buffet. Unfortunately now, so, and by the way, very recently I just Googled like best buffets in Los Angeles. But for me, it's a little bit window shopping now because of all my food allergies. So Aww. a buffet is like reminders of all the things I used to be able to eat and then I go over to you know the vegetables and the chicken or whatever and it's not the same I can't get like one pancake and two pieces of bacon and a lobster (laughs) crab legs and uh, quiche you can't have to look you know it was the best buffet this is not a buffet podcast or is it should be but side note and this opens up, this cracks wide open a whole other like weird thing I don't want to get into about uh, whether I agree with it. But <clears throat> the Santa Anita racetrack, I don't want to get into how I feel about horse racing because that's not a thing. But but someone I knew was singing there, mm-hmm. the national anthem. And so I got to go into like the VIP whole area that's like mm-hmm. fancy schmance. That buffet is mwah, gorgeous. <laughs> it's like a room. It is that thing where three walls of a room or it's lined with tables oh. of everything. Everything. I love those. Everything. That's the greatest thing because now you yeah. literally can try everything. And by the way, this is a perfect, horrible American thing to say, given the way we started this podcast. Yeah, talking I, know, about starving I know. It's children. so gluttony. Starving children oh. in the same pod. I could this- get a scathing <laughs> review for this episode alone. In the beginning of the episode, Janet empathetically talks about starving children all over the world. Cut to 40 minutes later, she's talking about a horse race track and the buffet. It is like gluttony oh central. Oh my god. I'm like, so embarrassed. Gambling. Oh my god. And gluttony. It's so awesome. Oh god, I'm a horrible horrible person. At least Wait. I remembered that I was a horrible person as I was talking about it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so disgusted with myself. Listen, listen. All right. So let me get into, because pretty soon I'm going to get into the game portion, my favorite. Um, But uh, how do, like, give me a snapshot, because we've talked about so many other wonderful life things. Um, Give me a snapshot of Graham and girls in high school and sort of also like Graham and like, what did you do for entertainment that wasn't sports? Were you a movie nerd back then? You were. Yeah, the movie thing started at a young age. My dad, um, you know, typical 70s hands-off parenting would take me to R-rated movies when I was like eight. And so I just, I just started, I loved movies immediately as a young kid, you know, and of course star wars and you know i mean i'm like it's a good right time yeah it was great and then you know i'm watching apocalypse now and all these (laughs) movies are way too way over my head um but yeah so the movie thing i was always way into that and comic books um and you know i remember we i had a, a, a kid i grew up with jack eigelman and we would like on sometimes on really beautiful summer days would go to the movies in the middle of the day because no one was there in that in the theater so um that's so that's so much fun it's the best and then i 
found it, you know, that's when I'm, uh, as a comic on the road, I'm watching movies during the day when no one's there. It's so yeah. I, here's a side note. Um, went on a date earlier in the year. I was home. Uh, I had a weekend off and went on a Friday night. And I think the girl lived in another part of town. So we, I was like, well, let's meet at the movie theater. And it's eight o'clock movie. We'll get there at 745. We get there and I'm like, oh, everything's sold out. She's like, you didn't buy the tickets in advance? I'm like, Why? I went, do people do that? You do that? She's right. like, yeah, it's Friday night. It's LA. Every, it's packed. I was like, oh, I've gone to a movie on a Friday <laughs> night in <laughs> 10 years. I don't know. This date is going very well. <laughs> this is awful. Uh, so, all right. So me and girls in high school, um, it was like, uh, I don't even know how to get into this, but. Um, <laughs> wow, I've become fascinated. It's. I was like half nerd and then like, well, I started out, you know, teenage gawky kid, braces at 14, um, not horrible acne, but enough, you know, enough, <laughs> uh, enough. that'll do, that'll, <laughs> that'll do acne. <laughs> um, so there was that, um, and then as I started to like play sports, got the braces off, started to fill out, um, then started getting a lot of attention um, from girls and was sort of this torn between being this sort of nerdy, awkward guy to then a player a little bit, but not right. Not, like wasn't that good at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but so it was, it was, I think my thing was, I think I wanted to be the playboy, but couldn't mm-hmm. because I was too sensitive and would just fall too easily mm-hmm. and would meet these women and would just be like, mm. and, and I've had a pat and this uh, pattern hasn't, Oh, I wish it was, had ended sooner, but uh-huh. it's, it's welcome to everyone who's yeah. listening to this, including me. <laughs> um, of, you know, choosing um like some unavailable women or you know women who are always in a crisis because that was sort of the home i grew up in so like strong independent women who are always in a crisis is just like fucking catnip Uh so there was a lot of that and feeling like i had to rescue and be the hero and so high school was yeah, I met I dated this one girl who was really sweet, really nice. Um she came from a she went to a, a private school, so she like came from this rich Irish Catholic family and I just I had you know, I had all these we didn't have a lot of money, so I had all the I was like this like and again, this high school where you had all different kinds of kids and you know, I had friends with who had these big mansions and then, you know, we lived in this apartment. So there was like some insecurity about money and stuff. And I remember we lived off this alley right on the Evanston Chicago border. And there was like a gas station. And I remember sometimes like girls would give me a ride home and I'd tell them to drop me off like a block away. Hmm, that's Bummer. so John Hughesian. It is that's so, so John- pretty and pink. You were Molly Ringwald on I, the other I, side I, of the tracks. <laughs> Bless. I was your little ducky. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was some of that. And then like, I, I didn't find out till a lot later. A lot of these girls like had a thing for me and I had no 
clue. I was also an obnoxious guy. I was loud <laughs> and obnoxious. Like, I have to own that. I can't be like, chicks, you're crazy. No, I was a uh, different. It's so funny because I was just thinking to myself, <clears throat> I was thinking about asking, what would these girls in high school have? What do you think they'd say about you? Like, what do you think now? They'd say, like, oh, Graham Elwood. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think. I was the guy at the party that would do something, and if there was a girl there going, it's just not funny anymore, I would do it 15 more times. Oh, no, I would have hated you. Yeah, you you would have hated me. (laughs) Like, we would have had a class together, and we would have giggled and laughed, and you would have loved me in class, but if you would have met me in a different, in a group environment, you wouldn't have liked me. One-on-one, you would have liked me. Yeah. But group, I was, you know, I was a teenage boy, Yeah. you know, who you know, came from a loud competitive family of actors. So I was like, (laughs) and I never drank. And I was very sort of adamant about that. When everyone was doing all the peer pressure stuff, I was like, nope. Um, And I kind of had that, you know, if people like, well, you're not cool or we're not inviting you. I didn't have, I mean, I would feel like wounded, but outwardly I'd be like, okay, well then go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, there was a lot, and I think that came from this sort of family where I had to kind of fend for yourself. Fend for yourself. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people. I found out later a lot of people were like, "Well, I was terrified of you." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh yeah. man!" And I wonder if that's still the case. I mean, I'm not. I hope I'm not like that, but I know I have an intensity about me that sometimes might. Some women might be like, "Well, he's fucking crazy," or uh-huh. whatever, or I don't know, like. And I think as it translates to now, as we were talking about before the show, um, you know, obviously the the marriage was definitely like trying to rescue and save and be the hero. And, you know, then I was dating a girl that was a single mom and was trying to do that. And I think I've kind of hopefully let that go. Um, but it's, um, I'm not, I don't know. But it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, just as like... I'm giving the most psycho babble bullshit. This is the most bullshit thing I'm going to say. First of all, you have a Spider-Man shirt on. You were reading comics. You were deeply probably influenced by film, as was I. These kids who grow up and they don't have role models in their lives, um, even if it's just like a, a healthy relationship or whatever, I think it is really hard not to, I mean, you loved superheroes. Like, is it any surprise that you want to be a superhero? <laughs> yeah. That's, Do you know? That makes sense. And you don't, if you don't have like the sort of structure, not to say that the structure of a, I don't necessarily believe that, that the structure, that the answer is, you know, a, a nuclear family, whether that's two women, two men, a mom and a dad, two moms, like whatever. I don't know. I mean, a single parent family might be great if that's what works and it's healthy and it's mm-hmm. great. Um, I don't know that I believe like, you know, if you'd only had blah, 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 then this, because I feel like I have plenty of friends whose parents are, you know, happily married and they're a mess. Sure. So who knows? There's so many different factors at play in. But I do feel like you kind of having to fend for yourself and not necessarily 
knowing where, you know, the experiential influence of people in your life not really being there for that kind of stuff. Like, you know, again, no wonder. And everything you talked about with your mom, too. But I love the idea of sort of having to figure out how to kind of be the superhero but not get all of the emotional kind of messy stuff that that kind of can mean in real life. It was, yeah. I mean, I remember... I have a scar on my lip because there was, I found out a guy was picking on a buddy of mine's little brother and I confronted him at a party in high school and somebody stepped in between us and I took my eye off of him and he just sucker punched. He didn't even hit me that hard, but my lip blew up. Um, and I remember that like, and I, I think that would have been in me no matter what. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. I just think that was just one of those things that was just in me. Mm-hmm. But like not having a dad there, for sure. As a teenage boy, you need... I just had my three nephews come out to visit. They're 11. Two of them are 11 and one's 12. And they're boys, man, boys. And I know how to handle boys. Mm-hmm. And they're going to fight. And you just got to go, knock it off. <laughs> and they just look at you. And I don't have long mom talks. Like, well, we got to use our... I'm just like, right. cut the shit. Yeah. And... It's why I gravitated to the football coaches. And I think, too, then the superhero analogy that you just made as I have a Batman watch. <laughs> and, a, and a, like, um, it, it definitely made um, this. And it was also, you know, I'll say this it was also a confusing time to be in post feminist America mm. because feminism, equal rights, I'm all for it. That's what America's all about. Everyone gets the same rights. It's all great. But there was a lot of, some of the feminism was anti-male, and especially in my family. So there was this confusing thing of like, I remember like, you know, trying to get the door for a girl and she's like, stop repressing, you know, like, because. I think I totally understand that. I was so messed up. Yeah. I've had, I've had a lot of. I've had a lot of half conversations and underdeveloped conversations about feminism on the podcast because I it's because it is one of those topics that you could talk about for five hours and mm. not feel like you really answered anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got and there was I had a conversation when when Greg Barron did the the podcast. He was sort of talking about um, uh, yes, all women that sort of like thing that happened on Twitter and um, <clears throat> it is it is tricky. It's it's just uh, it's tricky. It's tricky because I don't want, I had someone write me and say like, I'm anti-feminist and here's all the reason. And he pointed me to this website that sort of breaks down why it's damaging to men. And the the whole kind of crux of what Greg was saying was like, you know what? Too bad. We've had it too good. I, I need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. We right. need to deal with it. Um, but it is hard and it is confusing. And I, I think during that time, that totally makes sense that you're a young person kind of shaping yourself. And if you're being surrounded by that kind of rhetoric at your home by your mom, that's tricky. Yeah. It was a thing by my mom and my oldest sister and then some of like my mom's friends. And then that's also was in society was especially the late eighties getting into the nineties was, Oh, well white males, you're, you're the enemy. You're the enemy of everything. <laughs> so that was like, that was a, you know, and like, I just actually started doing this in my act cause I'm trying to figure out how to make this work. But like, you know, being looked at like this white oppressor and I was like, uh, I took the city bus to school. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like I was a caddy at a country club for actual rich white guys right, and they're right. horrible people. And yeah. they, you know, and so that whole thing was, 
and also, uh, you know, the dating was, was difficult because again, my high school was 40% black. So there were some black girls who were interested in me and they're, they, it's culturally very different. You know, they don't play like coy, like white girls do. They're like you, <laughs> I like you. And they're making everybody know that. And I was like, uh, and that caught me off guard. And then, you know, then some of the black guys would be mad at me because I was getting attention from, you know, and that was like, what? I don't know what the fuck. How's that? How do you play that right? There's no way to play that, play that right. You know I mean? It was sad that it has to be a thing that gets played quote mm -hmm. unquote one way or the other at all. It was weird, you know, like, and you know, I remember I went to one either prom or like a winter formal, um, with this black, it was beautiful and we had a cool time, but it was like, everyone was watching us. Hmm. And it was like, wow. And also, shoot, she was a woman, and I was still a boy. Right. <laughs> I just got to be right. honest. She was yeah. a woman, yeah. And and I was just like, oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was very, it was very chaotic and confusing. And it was sports and movies that I escaped into. Yep. You know, and you know, then dated a girl, and the, the first like hot serious the girl i like you know lost my virginity to was it was very chaotic very toxic very all over the place you know she's very ma- manipulative and i oh god <laughs> i know that was a I, bummer <laughs> i know all those well that's that's a conversation that we could have offline too but yeah all those all those um those highs and lows that feel like uh that's what def- like somehow that's what defines what's mm-hmm. important instead of the importance of like calm, you know, there were five women in a row through high school and college, all who had just come out of an abusive relationship told me, Oh my God, Graham, you're so nice. You're so sweet. And then all of them cheated on me with the ex Ugh. in a row. One girl I Ugh. walked in on. Or she cheated on with a different guy, but all of them cheated on me. Four of the five of them did went back to the dick ex. Oh, no. And it was just like, this is yeah. awful. And then, so then there was a lot of like in my 20s, when I moved out, and then I was in a serious relationship. And then when I moved out to LA in my mid-20s, I had broken up with a girl I was living with and then was just like, I'm going to be a playboy uh-huh. it's just like i was that was that I think guy that makes sense i feel like i've had a couple of friends who've kind of gone through the same sort of stuff where you know it's interesting because like i feel like the way and i'm i really am going to get into this in just a second this is another huge i didn't know that we were going to get into so many big picture conversations i'm so delighted by it i love these conversations but, um the the way that conventionally because of the way society sort of treats our sexes not to get all into that one way or the other necessarily but as a side note for you guys to mull over at home um it's interesting the way that i see my women friends respond to being betrayed and these are straight relationships um actually you know what a lot of my gay male friends and my lesbian friends i would almost apply the same thing along the gender lines uh but like get cheated on, get betrayed, the women turn into hermits for quite a while and are like, I don't want any of this. And the guys are like, I'm going to fuck everyone. <laughs> fuck everybody. <laughs> like, fuck this literally yeah, and figuratively. Literally, fuck this. You know? Yeah. It's interesting the way that we act out our insecurities mm-hmm. and the way that we 
choose to handle like our fears and the, the, mm-hmm. the fear of repetition and like where we're societally programmed or maybe some of its genetics or whatever to kind of like have that response. Cause I feel like I've, I sort of see a consistency in either direction. Not always, you know, mm-hmm. I'll have a friend who gets betrayed and then fucks a bunch of guys, you know, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah. I was the guy. I remember being at a party and there was like three or four women. Yeah, because you damn well weren't going to be the guy again who got yep. his heart crushed. Nope, no way. That and doesn't I, mean you were great for those women that no, probably were really not, into that you. Was not, that, was not, <laughs> that was not good. Oh, my. Yeah. Guys, we're not, young people, we're not saying that's the answer. If no, any of you were left watching don't do it. podcast. All right. I'm going to cootie catch. What? I'm do one of these. There's a little question tucked inside here for you to answer, depending on what number you pick. Um, first, pick a color. Red. R E D. Now pick a number. Five. One, two, three, four, five. Pick another number. Oh, eight. Eight. Okay. Eight. Oh, <clears throat> uh, from your teenage self, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, my goodness. Well, depends on what year. Of my teenage self. Yeah, I know. The in, uh, it was changing Yeah, quite you a, can give a snapshot of like... Um, well, if, well, a young teenager, it was, you know, I think I wanted to play in the NFL. And Amazing. I that was... <laughs> sure. You came this close. <laughs> oh, I'm on a 5'10 white guys uh, in the NFL that are slow. Um, so there was that. Then um, I think a rock star, just, just <laughs> rock star. Right. <laughs> Right. Just Elvis. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I wanted sure. to be Elvis. Sure. Or uh, in the NFL. Um, and then, yeah, then I think it did start to kind of transition into, oh, no, no, no. This is, oh. this is the one. This is the one. Here's how I chose my major for college. Um, the first semester of my freshman year, I was an economics major. I chose this major, and this will give you a gateway into where yeah. I've ended up, um, because I was like, oh, I just want to do business. That's what it was. I was like, business, <laughs> business guy. I want to be Johnny Business, right? <laughs> so Michael J. Fox's character, Alex P. Keaton, oh. he was an economics major. Oh. That's how I chose my major. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. And I did oh, it for a God. semester and was like, what? Uh, this isn't like it was on Family Ties. Wow, how come I'm not on TV? Oh, God, that's and, amazing. And then change it to film. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Good for you for figuring that out. Thank you. Okay, now I play this game of MASH, Mansion, Apartment, Shack, House. I don't know if you know this game I from when people were young. I it's may or may not pause that you, to... That you play this. Yeah, this is I do with everyone. This is On I your JV Club stationery. Um, on my special JV Club You're hat. awesome. Okay. Give me three places in the world where you would like to go surfing. You just can pop. You can just... Suddenly you're there. The Maldives? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tahiti? Mm-hmm. Bali. Yeah. Wonderful. I've been to Bali, but I went there before I started surfing. Wonderful. Okay. 
Next, give me three films that you can jump into at no danger, no real danger to your personal self um, for as long or as, <laughs> as little as you like whenever you want. Three films. <laughs> no danger. Because sometimes people are like, well, I mean, if I went to Star Wars, like there's a chance I get blown up. Like not in this world. In the MASH world, things are good. Like you, have, you can have some adventure. Oh, I'm in the film? Oh, oh, yeah. I don't mean like you're in them as an actor. I mean they're real. Oh. You're in them. They're real. They're real. Oh, um, The Dark Knight. Oh, God. I just got chills. (laughs) This is why I love MASH. For anyone with an imagination. Well, uh, yeah, Return of the Jedi. Great. I just watched my nephews. I made them, I have them on VHS, the originals. Made the boys watch it. Great. How they do? They loved them. See, <laughs> they loved See? them. See, they don't need fancy, no. schmancy CGI. Everything. No. Um. The natural. Oh, so good. What a great feel-good movie. Just even just if I was just like one of the guys on the team. Just yeah. on that team, even if I warm the bench, just to be a part of that yeah. thing. Agreed. I love that film. Um, okay, next. Uh, I got to go. I got to do it. Three superpowers. Flying. Time travel. And super strength. Love it. This, by the way, you know what this 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 podcast feels like? Hmm. It feels like I'm. I honestly feel like we're hanging out as kids. Like that's I, that's so I totally feel yeah. like we're you know Summer party during the day. exactly like I came over here to study trig, mm-hmm. and then we ended up just doing this. <laughs> I totally. <laughs> that's the best compliment you could ever give me. Best compliment you could ever give me. Um. Let me pose this. I almost want to give you like a something. Three. This is, I'm, I, as you can see, I, I try to come up with these customized for you for what we talked about. Three. I totally get it. If you can't come up with anything, I don't know where I got this, but three places to have like a quote unquote slumber party or to like overnight somewhere where you wouldn't normally be able to do it, but for some reason you're able to, and it's safe, whether that's like, like, or it's not unlikely that you will, like the top of Yosemite, like a, you know, a mountain in Yosemite, but it's not, but it, it doesn't have to be as specific as like, you're camping, you have to set up the tent, it's not that, it's fantasy world, sure. so it could be like the bottom of the ocean, could be oh, like, right, but you right. spend a night kind of watching the sun go down, spend that night and come back up, what kind of Ooh, experience would you like to have there? Fantasy world. Well, the moon. Yeah. And in like... The Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, that's great. Barrier Reef. (laughs) Because I used to be afraid, 
of scuba, like I don't want to scuba, I'm just too afraid, like I'd be trapped or can, mm-hmm. but now, like I said, I've been surfing for whatever, seven, eight years. I love the ocean. And I want to learn how to scuba. Yeah. like I've only been, these guys know, I started, I only went on my first snorkeling trip ever. I mean, I or I was mm-hmm. somewhere where I happened to be able to snorkel. And I, I didn't think of myself as someone who would be into that. And I just, it's amazing. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah. And a friend of mine that, that scuba said, because I was like, oh, I love snorkeling. And I, you know, I work on a cruise ship and doing all these cool places. And he goes, oh, well, snorkeling is 2D. Scuba is 3D. And I was like, okay. So yeah. And I want to get a degree as a marine biologist. Yeah. I don't know if that's we'll going to happen. We'll make that happen. Uh, you know what? I'll give you the category. Your <laughs> we'll next category we'll will make be that happen. Your, your next category will be other careers, like other like things like that. You'll we'll, you'll see, you'll see. Kickstarter for my yeah. University of Hawaii uh, degree. <laughs> the, the best I can offer is my Mash World, which is to me very real. Okay, so I have um, one more. Yeah. Place. So Moon Great Barrier Reef, love it. The thing that came into my mind was how much I love the movie Never Cry Wolf. It's like one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. from even when I was a kid seeing it in the theater. Um, and just the idea of being able to be there like in the Arctic, sort of watching a, like a wolf family oh. kind of come out of their den and sort of have their evening and their night and then like going, I don't know, something like that, you know, getting to be a fly on the wall for something nocturnal like that or I don't know. I would do, I would do... See, this is tough because I was about to say like polar ice cap, yeah, because that would be really cool, yeah. But then I'm like in a place where I know there's a Bigfoot or a Yeti. Oh, that's great! Bigfoot slash Yeti, love it. Okay, so next category will be in fact, you have these sort of um, three other things that you've been able to achieve uh, suddenly. You also, like, I'm assuming one will be that you have a degree as a marine biologist. Marine biologist. Firefighter. Great. I thought I wanted to be a firefighter when I was in my 20s. I applied and stuff. But in San Francisco, it's so popular that it's a lottery to even get the interview. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I went through. I looked through the testing in my 20s. And then after 9-11 again, I went even further. And when I was taking those, they're called CERT classes, Community Emergency Response Training. Um, A lot of people take those to prep into getting to the fire academy. So as I was going through them, and you're getting the classes are taught by firefighters. They're mm-hmm. like, so are you interested? And they're and I was like, highly considering it. And I literally said to my, I opened myself up to the whatever the universe sure. and said, if I'm meant to be a firefighter, do, show it to me. If I'm meant to stay in show business, show it to me. And then got offered the, com- the first comedy tour to Afghanistan. Well, there you go. Um, okay, so I have one. You're more. like, and I got offered strip poker. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and then the game show the network. universe has a wicked sense of humor <laughs> alright so one more career yeah like I'm viewing these as alternate lives yeah okay yeah, it can okay. be that or it can yeah, be yeah it can be absolutely or just, can be either one can be like oh you didn't oh you didn't know I'm also an astronaut uh well yeah I mean astronaut yeah, that's why I said it I had a feeling had a feeling okay next one is um uh i haven't really 
gone down this road with you, so this will be a good way to kind of get a, a, a little window in. Um, three bands or singer-songwriters, whatever, three musicians uh, that basically um, create the soundtrack to your life. Eddie. Like it's like like it's it's it, maybe it's even songs that they've never even written yet because they're so tailored to like the experience of you oh. surfing or the experience of you being on the road and like watching the road flash by like who are three bands or singers or whatever that could be like um, you would want to be accompanied by Eddie Vedder great because I the first time I ever went to Afghanistan which is in two thousand and four I we got you know it's crazy the time you. you, you it's an 11 and a half hour difference. And then you're getting on helicopters and you're, it's just, it's crazy. And I finally had time to sit at a computer and I wrote, I was like, oh, I need to write my family. And I started writing my dad an email and, and I just told him, Hey, forward it to everybody. And as I was writing it, I was just in my head. I was just, I'm going to just sit down and tell him what we've done the last couple of days. And the emotion of all of that came pouring out in this email. Hmm. And it ended with something like, I hope, you know, like something about the war is unbelievable. Like, this is awful. And I, you know, I can't believe these people have to, to sign up to do this or whatever. And then my dad was still teaching theater at Southern Connecticut State University at the time. And he had a kid read that for like a one act night, read the letter as me. Forgot to invite me to it. Oh, no. Not that I would be important for me to see that. Um, and I always thought, my sort of dream goal fantasy or whatever would be to have Eddie Vedder take that letter and put it into oh, a song. Oh, that's great. What a great answer. God, good luck coming up with two more. Cause that's really bad. Yeah, that one should have closed with that one. <laughs> um, uh, John Coltrane. I just want to say to the listeners as a side note while Graham thinks of this that I want you to know I'm still drinking as much bubbly liquid as ever but I just haven't been burping on the podcast <laughs> I don't know what's going on this is a great a soda down. by the way Virgil's oh yeah it's good right so good yeah a black cherry cream soda sweetened with stevia yeah they I'm got in. it they really did it I'm in yeah all right um listen to me drink this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> A little creepy, I'm sure. Um, okay. Marlena Shaw. I don't know if I know who that is. She was like um, like an R&B soul singer in the 70s. Ooh, sounds good. Has this amazing album. There's a song on it that Chevy uses for one of its commercials uh, about California. Um, but she was one of those people that just for whatever reason didn't pop, mm-hmm. but should have. It was amazing. I yeah. have to listen to. That's great. That's another great thing about this podcast. Okay. Next one is, um, I am going to go with, uh, as tradition dictates, uh, three ladies. Now it could be someone totally who isn't real, like someone from comics or film. It could be someone like a celebrity that you had a crush on. You know, when you were in high school, it could be uh, somebody that you have a crush on now that's like, you know, but you could be like, I always love Zoe Deschanel. It's a terrible example, but maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I don't you know, know what, what you're I mean. Into. So could be, could be anyone. I've, I've had uh, circa 1960s Raquel Welsh more times than I expected in the Boys wow. of Summer series. Boy. 
I could do that one pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, just three that I would want to date or be with or... I mean, or, in MASH world, this is like your wife, but I don't believe in that really. So I'm just sort of like, you okay. could have like, maybe you go on one of these trips with this beautiful woman or it's, you know, you just sort of have some romance or some sexy times. Sexy times ahead. Um, 60s era um, Angie Dickinson. She was just a crossword puzzle answer in the New York Times. Pepper from Police Woman. Fantastic. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Might have even been this last Sunday's. I don't know. I get confused because I do a lot of old ones too. Um, Raza Ghoul's daughter, Talia. This is a Batman thing. <laughs> Almost said Selena, but then I was just literally... <laughs> I love I love this whole conversation you just have with yourself in like a Here's, second. I've almost was like going to say Catwoman. Yeah, you know Selena. Um, but there's an unavailable. There one. you go. <laughs> there you go. She's a cat burglar. She's she's a damaged goods. Yeah, she is. Uh, great. Okay, so, so I've got Angie. I got Talia. Um, Zoe Saldana. Oh, great. Because that's actually one that could happen. Sure. Theoretically. Zoe, could you come in here for a second? (laughs) Amazing. I don't have a time Uh. machine or the ability to make comic book (laughs) heroes real, but she actually exists. Okay. And then this one, and I don't mean to be um, like pandering about this or like overly sentimental about it, but what about a person who is sort of like a today, not all due respect to your dad, in no way is this not about your dad, but just kind of knowing that you didn't have as much of that as you wanted when you were younger. What about like three characters or people could be Abraham Lincoln, but it could also be, uh, you know, what's his name in the, oh my God, you're going to, everyone who loves Batman is going to be angry at me. Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> it could be Alfred. You know what I mean? It could be sure. but like three guys who are in your life who are like the guy you can call and be like, I got to get your advice on this. Almost like three sponsors if you're the kind of person who is in a program. Sure. But like three, yeah, three cool people that you're like, God, I would love to just be able to pick up the phone and, and have that person's voice in my ear. Um, the, f- my, f- um, the grandmaster of my samurai sword style, Masashima Bukuro, who passed away two years ago. Oh my. He was one of the greatest li- living. Bukuru. Yeah. Master Shima, we just called him. He passed away two years ago. That was, uh, that was a bummer. But i blessed I got to study with one of the greatest living swordsmen for 18 months. Oh my gosh, sure. So It's amazing. Him. Winston Churchill. It's always exciting when someone doesn't know the game. I haven't bothered to explain it, and they don't really know the outcome. But it probably won't come as a surprise to you when I finally do the the end of this. I don't. I'm glad I don't know the outcome because <clears throat> that might. I might try to whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. giving you your answers, and mm-hmm. I, I I'm excited where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather, who I never met, beautiful, passed away. When my mom was nine. 
my mom, yeah, my grandpa. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, um, I'm going to do just this thing that doesn't really matter what I'm doing, but tell <laughs> me when to stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. Okay, this is a long one, guys. All right, I'm going to pause this. Do some calculations. I'll come back with your math future because you end up with one of each in the category. Wow. I'm pausing. I'll be right back. I want to say this was an unprecedented 14, like, because it's a kid's thing. So, like, I do, sometimes I do, like, a a spiral. Sometimes I do up and down. Anyway, 14, I had to go through. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, cross it off. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's what I just had to do. I feel very taxed. <laughs> I need a little bit of a nap after this, but I do have your 100% guaranteed mash fictional future. Yes. A um, lot of great stuff in here. A lot of great stuff in here. Uh, I want to congratulate you on your, first of all, I'm just going to get right into it and say you have a mansion in the Maldives. Yes. Where you get to go surfing whenever you want. Yay. Fantastic. Um, again, uh, great white guilt situation where for some reason you have a mansion. Listen, that's the nature of MASH. You could have ended up with a mansion, an apartment, a shack, or a house. That's what MASH stands for. In your case, mansion. What are you going to do? Okay. Um, uh, I want to congratulate. And this is also wonderful. It's wonderful that you're also a marine biologist. Because you really know of what you speak and experience when you're out there surfing. You're probably scuba diving. You're interacting with all these wonderful creatures. Um, uh, If you feel uh, somehow still like something's missing and you want to um, engage with a very different creature indeed, I want you to rest assured that you will be able to spend a, a night Watching the activities of a Bigfoot or Yeti. <laughs> yes. A Bigfoot or Yeti. So congratulations on that. Um, if no one else believes you, I can assure you that Winston Churchill, your trusted confidant. Of course. I, of course I was sad that, uh, you did, that, that you didn't arrive at your master, but that's just that's just not how the cards uh, I've already out. had the honor of training with them. There you go less likely that Winston Churchill is going to suddenly come into your life. Although I don't listen. I don't know. Um, I want to, Oh, you know what? This, I'm so silly. I'm an idiot. Of course I know how he's in your life. You're capable of time travel. Yay. That's why Winston Churchill is your, your sort of father figure of time. Um, it was very doctor who of, of us all of a sudden. Um, uh, another opportunity, uh, to experience a, a strange, different world. You get to go into Return of the Jedi whenever you want. I think that's the one that I would go into, too, because there's so many different great landscapes to visit oh, in that one. Not the so least of beautiful. which is the Ewoks. Ewoks. You've got, um, you go back to Dagobah, you mm-hmm. get to see Yoda right before he dies. Yeah. Which is why I don't need to see Master Shima. That's true. That's why this all works there out. There you go. So I get to there see Yoda, and I get to talk to Ben Kenobi as he gives me yeah. that kind of flim-flammy answer why he <laughs> lied to me about who my dad was. Well, from a certain point of view, all right. Daddy's not hurting mommy. Daddy's loving mommy. Got like a little suspicious yeah. there. Yeah, okay, Ben. Um, what am I forgetting? Two very key things. Okay, so that just leaves us with... Uh, this actually works out great for me. Your uh, romantic adventures, all of which could involve, you know, some of the things that I've just listed, 
with 60s era Angie Dickinson. Ooh, Angie. To the life soundtrack of one John Coltrane. That's right. Wouldn't have it any other oh. way. Oh, nice. Oh, that was a wonderful exercise in imagination. Oh. That completes our podcast episode, Graham. Yeah. What a pleasure and a joy. Thank you. Oh my gosh, this so much was, fun. This was great. It was... Um, uh yeah i didn't know it was i mean i i you know it's a podcast and that's why i love podcasting can be whatever and it got deep and i didn't know that i was gonna feel uh vulnerable on this show (laughs) but i did and that's all right that's not i coaxed it right out of you but speaking of podcasts um we can say that uh, we're very excited about graham uh is one of the producers of the la podfest um that is upcoming as you guys know i've mentioned it um before and i've tweeted about it i will be there on saturday uh september la sorry when is it september September 26th 26th to the 28th you'll be 26th or 28th you'll be on the 27th great and there's tons of great podcasts you guys should check it out um anything else you want to add to that yeah it's three days there's over 35 shows there's a stand-up comedy show saturday night um there's going to be parties every night sponsors paying for food and drinks and all kinds of fun stuff it's at a new hotel the soft hotel in beverly hills which is amazing it's walkable to everything So we're selling. The schedule is up at LAPodfest.com. If you guys want to buy a day pass just to see JV Club, you can do that for Saturday. Um, or you can get a weekend pass and see everything. It's so much fun. It's the like a, it's a comedy podcast like high school reunion slumber party. Yeah, it really is great. It's great for for those of us participating in it too to get to see everybody. And yeah. See, hopefully see some other podcasts and all that good stuff too. So um, – Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hope to see some of you guys there. And uh, yeah, that's it for the for, for the podcast. Thanks for listening, except for one final thing. Didn't know this was coming. Didn't prepare you for it at all. I like to make my male guests sing a sliver of Don Henley's Boys of Summer <laughs> to take us out. Um, I'm trying to remember the lyrics to that song. Uh, feel free to look them up on your phone. Oh, wow. Okay. And or don't and make up whatever you want because it really doesn't matter um, at all. And be as bad as you want. Because he's talking about baseball. Oh, does he talk about baseball? I thought he By did. the way, again, I'm at, almost at the end of Boys of Summer and have never looked up the lyrics. So you've, let me ask you this, though. You've always just had women on and you just started this year doing Boys of mm-hmm. Summer? Yeah. What prompted that? It's really... Well, it's, I, you know, people have been asking, uh, would you ever podcast guys? And I was like, I don't know that I really need to... Um, and if I did, suddenly my podcast would just be like anybody at any sure. time. And I, I sort of like the world that I've created. But um, but I but I did like the idea of like a limited time only situation. That's how Boys of Summer was born. It's a cool uh, – and again, it's why the medium of podcasting is so great. You want to do a podcast about whatever. You want to just interview women. That's awesome. And then decide, well, I want to do boys during the summer. You yeah. get to do that. I know. You get to do it. I know. It feels really good to have a say in it's... your own career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> Pick whatever little stanza you want. You can just sing a little bit if you want. Um, nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. I feel it in the air. I feel... Oh, no. The summer's out of reach. The summer's uh, okay. The summer's out of reach. Empty lake, empty streets. The sun goes down alone. I'm driving, driving by, by your house, house but I know you're, you're not, not home. But I, I can't can see you. Your brown skin shining in the sun. Back control, you
as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.